Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. Everything's running smoothly. Yo, yo, yo! Yow! What is going on? My name is Hartzell, and this right here, it's your KC love that so much. The dog did not love the yelling. What up, baby girl? <laughs> My name's Hartzell. Tuesdays on your KC Morning Show. You know what we do. We take back America. My friends, myself, and Professor Harvey K. And apparently uh, my husky Lolita also getting in on the action today. Are we going back to the beginning? You know, usually we take a deep dive into history. Well, today we're going all the way back to the beginning of this concept. Remember when we started way back in the summer? It was that book from Josh Hawley. One big red flag, if you ask me. A reactionary trying to co-op a progressive populist movement. And we said, hey, we got to watch out for this. We can't be following for the okie doke because other folks will also be trying to co-op that idea. And that is exactly what happened. Her name is Carol Roth. She has an article out in Newsweek called American Small Business is Being Murdered. Professor Harvey K hit me up and said, let's do a deep dive. So this, I guess, is a, uh, a news of the day show. I guess more current events, which is always good, right? Bring it to the here and now, my friends. Full show back in your feeds maybe tomorrow i'm not gonna lie got a very busy day part of that day includes me doing some professional wrestling i'm very excited your boy has not taken a bump in over two years by the way that's a wrestling term not what you're thinking get your head out of the gutter so tomorrow is gonna be uh well it's gonna be a wednesday i can't promise you we'll do a show but i'm gonna try my damnedest rate review subscribe do what you do best kansas city which is taking care of me you're always too good to me a good day to be a kansas city and up next we take back america with professor harvey k my name is hartzel we'll see you in the mouth bye January 11, 1970, victory belonged to Hank Stram and his Kansas City Chiefs. TV9 News special report, close up the flood of 77. From the Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri, it's Milwaukee Bucks against the Kansas City Kings. Now Kansas Citians must decide what happens next. What is to follow the city's Holy Week riots? I am here at the American Royal World Series of Barbecue. Daryl Motley awaits, and the Kansas City Royals are world champions. How are you doing, sir? Now, you know, we like to kick off this Take America series with some lighthearted banter. And I know that uh, it's freezing cold up there in Green Bay. Here in Kansas City, sir, it's hot. It's hot as hell. You're Kansas City Chiefs. Five game winning streak. And I know you're on a bye week, so you got a chance to watch my Kansas City Chiefs. Harvey K, are you are you are you shaking in your boots? Well, I'm all the more eager to see KC GB 
in the Super Bowl. That's what I'm eager to see. Although I'm not so sure that the big insurance company that hires Mahomes and uh, and Rogers. No, what am I talking about? They're, they're probably salivating at the prospect. You can imagine the Super Bowl ads. Oh, no. I don't want to play Brady. I don't want to play the Patriots. I want it to be Kansas City. We got to bet something. It's a friendly, lighthearted bet. I mean, we got to think of something. It's got to be good. Well, it should just be like, I get you something I get you something out of the Packer Hall of Fame pro shop kind of thing. And, or you get me something. Or we should do that in any case. We are givers on this show. We are <laughs> givers, Harvey. Yes, it is good to see you, my brother. I assure you. Especially <laughs> in that Monarchs jersey. Look at this. You should all see him. Buck O'Neill going to the Hall of Fame, Harvey K. I think they would have a special category in the Hall of Fame just for you. <laughs> the voice of the Kansas City Monarchs. It's been a good ride. You know what's been a good ride? This series, my friend. We've been taking back America every Tuesday on your KC Morning Show. In fact, this worked out great, especially as we get ready to head into the new year. We're going to take this thing all the way back to the beginning. We've been talking in the past speeches. We've had poetry, you know, and it's all been kicked off from this article that Josh Hawley wrote. The book that he wrote. Oh my goodness, that's right. There's more than just a page. It's a book. The Tyranny of Big Tech. So that kicked off our series and we'll look at this once again the message of radical change in america is being co-opted by someone on the right it's pretty close to home in fact shots fired towards you professor harvey k carol roth is that her name yes indeed so let me tell a little story now keep in mind we've been doing this now this josh hawley inspired no josh hawley incited series we've been doing take back america and we've looked at we've looked at the words that we really ought to be remembering to re-inspire us reignite us to, in fact, indeed, in quotes, take back America. Because really, Hawley was trying to rip us off. He was trying to hijack the radical, the progressive story of the United States. And it's impressive what he tried to do. Well, let me start with a a story from a couple of weeks ago. I was in uh, a Barnes & Noble not far from Green Bay, down in Appleton, Wisconsin, to get a coffee with my wife, with a piece maybe of pumpkin cheesecake, just to celebrate a little bit. And while we were there, we, you know, figured why not just grab a magazine while we're sitting at the table. So the order was ready and I put down the coffee and I went over to the magazine rack and I saw there was a Newsweek issue. Now Newsweek's not the magazine it once was, but it still is a popular magazine. And on the cover was a picture of Joe Biden. And the question was, can Joe Biden redeem his presidency or rescue his presidency? Which is a fairly depressing question, but it's a very, very, it's a very, very important question. And I don't want to answer at this moment, okay? Because I don't want to get more depressed. <laughs> but I thought, let's see what they have to say. So I pulled it off the rack, I put it down, and I opened it up. But I opened it up not to the page of Joe Biden's effort to rescue his presidency and whether or not he could do so. I opened up to a page that was titled, American Small Business is Being Murdered. Listen to that, murdered, whoa, subtitled, and this is the punchline, we're living through the greatest transfer of wealth from the middle class to the elites in history. Now, let me make clear, this is Carol Roth, who's a conservative business writer who's taken to writing books besides having whatever she did before. And in this article early on, she says, Recent history is punctuated with a lot of not-so-great economic greats from the Great Depression to the Great Recession. Now we have a new one. When historians look back on the decisions made beginning in March 2020 and still going strong, this period will be remembered as the Great Consolidation, the acceleration of a historic wealth transfer and power concentration out of the hands of the middle class and into those with political power and connection. And here's what she means. The connected form a powerful bloc comprised of big government, big business, 
business and big special interests. And though their monikers label them big, they are comprised of relatively small elites, in numbers that is. And they are seeking to use their power to benefit themselves at your expense. What she's saying is that big business is literally shaping government action or has been shaping government action since March 2020. She could go back a hell of a lot further, by the way, but this is a conservative writing in March 2020. And she says that basically they are transferring the wealth of the middle class into the pockets of the elite, by which she means in our parlance, big business or capitalists or conservative rich business leaders. I thought, wow, this is fascinating. This sounds like something a Marxist would write almost, you know? I mean, not quite, but almost. And it dawned on me that this is in its own way, it's an enhancement to some extent of Hawley's argument in the tyranny of big tech that these humongously large, is that the way he used to say things? Corporations have shaped government against the interests of working people. And he traces this back some ways. Now, what was interesting about Hawley was that Hawley didn't just talk about big tech and what it's doing. He actually looked at the history of the United States and he made the argument, an argument that we should have been hearing from the democratic political leadership, but we haven't heard from them at all in that sense. Not even Bernie Sanders did what Hawley did in his book, which I was reviewing this past summer. Consider these lines. I'm going to read these again, as I did, I think, a very first time dealing with Hawley. This is what he had to say. And I can tell you that when I read these in Hawley's book, I was shocked. I mean, I, I thought, oh my God, not because what he said was wrong. They were paragraphs I could have written, you know, and people think of me as a radical historian. So as a radical historian, to read this from the mouths of a right wing politico who has political aspirations? Whoa, is what I thought. Listen to what he said originally. Big tech looms as large as any corporate power in American history, as large as the railroads from a century back, as large as the steel trust and the oil trust and the money trust from the height of the Gilded Age. Its sway is prodigious. Its reach is wide. And yet, like those earlier monopolies, big tech's power is ultimately precarious because Americans are never long contented to be ruled over by barons. They agitate, they protest, they rebel against it. These are radical words. He's saying to Americans, because he's directing this at a popular audience in his book, what he's saying is, I know you are radicals at heart, which is the argument I've been making for years. It's the title of any number of my articles and speeches. Held my book on Thomas Paine and the Province of America, made the argument Americans are radicals at heart. And here is Josh Hawley, no cousin of mine, no brother of mine, He's making this argument in his book. This is the kind of book that we should have been reading by Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. He continues, it is possible to imagine a future beyond corporate liberalism. In other words, this is like a line from Thomas Paine if he came back in the 21st century. We have it in our power to begin the world over again. Hawley writes, that political economy has dominated American life for a century now, but it has not served America well. It has steadily eroded the power and standing of the working class. It has steadily widened our class divisions and installed a professional elite at the prow of society, an elite that grows further removed from the lives and aspirations of working people with every passing year. And then he says, corporate liberalism turns out to be a political economy of aristocracy. And let me make this clear. When we get to FDR at the outset of the new year, you're going to hear FDR coin the term economic royalists. Americans fought the political royalists in 1776. In the 1930s, the working class of America and their left political leaders, FDR and others, they were confronting economic 
economic royalists. Here's Hawley, Political Economy of Aristocracy. And he says, very much of the kind the founders feared and warned against, of the kind populists remonstrated against and Theodore Roosevelt resisted. And it has been with us now for a century too long. The battle to end the tyranny of big tech is ultimately a battle to break the hold of corporate liberalism. Seriously speaking, I could have I, I have written just like that. That's why you and I are doing this Take Back America project. But now I discover it's not like a lone wolf, Josh Hawley. He represents a serious, in quotes, populist current in the Republican Party. And by the way, this is not the general view of things in the Republican Party currently. This is a almost maverick kind of, but it's the kind of maverick politics and rhetoric that was not unlike Ronald Reagan's efforts to lay claim to American history. Or for that matter, Donald Trump in his own perverse way of Make America Great Again, which he stole from Ronald Reagan. It's a new version of all of that stealing, hijacking, running off with the past that in their case is Dindigus, but Hawley is talking about a past that did exist. That's even the scarier part. If Hawley and I met, I would have shaken his hand and said, welcome to the left, Josh Hawley, which would have given him conniption fits, probably, okay? We got to keep up our efforts. You and I need to be heard nationally. People need to subscribe to this podcast, Casey Morning Show, right? Absolutely. These folks, these reactionaries are tapping into the fact that workers are upset, workers are angry, all workers, not just white workers, but black workers as well. People say, how did Trump increase his margins with black folks and Latinos? Well, guess what? They lost their jobs too. They are mad and need someone to yell at. And unfortunately, and you're getting ready to break this down, they're being sold a bill of goods. Yeah, so now let's come up to this question that first posed itself to me on the magazine rack. Can Biden redeem his presidency? And my answer to myself immediately was, no, he can't. He could. It would have been possible. It may still be possible. But he can't. What do I mean by that? It doesn't seem to be in his in his nature, politically, in any fashion. He can't make laws by himself. But if he can't win every vote in Congress that he needs, he's got to rally people to the struggle. To go back to our mutual figure we both admire, Bernie Sanders, not me, us. Everyone thought he meant that we all, you know, we're all in this together, which is true. But I think I've said this before. What that meant is I can't do this alone. Congress can't do this alone. The American people are going to have to step forth and say, this is what we voted for. This is what we wanted. Tell Congress, tell the SCOTUS, meaning Supreme Court, not to stand in the way of democracy, right? With Biden, really, he should have been speaking like this. He should have been telling Americans, look, I apologize for 40 years of neoliberalism. We are in a crisis right now. This crisis demands that not only Joe Manchin see the light, which he won't, not only Kirsten Cinema see the light, which she won't, not only the likes of Chris Coons in my own home state of Delaware, but if they're going to see the light at all, it's because you folks are going to shine a light on them and to the future, the future that will require voting rights, workers' rights, and build back better. A $3.5 trillion build back better that will repair our infrastructure, that will enable folks who are on Medicare to have dental work, glasses, hearing aid, all the stuff they need to live, not just a comfortable, but a good life in retirement in old age. That pursuit of happiness, right? It's that pursuit of happiness that we talk about. Thank you. Right? Thank you. Now I know why you're my brother. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Absolutely. The American promise. I mean, if politicians are not going to simply mouth it, but are actually going to pursue it, they can't do it by themselves. In fact, they won't do it by themselves. And in that respect, we may have failed Biden by not 
basically turning out and demanding that he give a finger to his donors and make things happen. Look, if we could turn out for a women's march, if we could turn out for Black Lives Matter, then we should start turning out for what ultimately is at stake, voting rights, workers' rights, the question of inequality, the kinds of things that are all over the place on the agenda, but somehow or other, because of a couple of senators who are in the Democratic Party, it's not happening. Now, let's go back to Hawley. Hawley knows that Americans, as you just said, workers are angry. In other words, this big, what do they call it? It's not a strike wave yet. Some people want to call it a quit wave because of so many workers quitting their jobs. Or they call it the great resignation. A great resignation. Exactly. Thank you. Well, Hawley is actually more in tune, at least rhetorically. And by the way, Hawley did not offer a radical way out of the crisis he's portraying. He said, well, you got to break up big tech. But he didn't talk about empowering workers. He didn't talk about how FDR empowered workers, how FDR subjected big corporate enterprises to democratic supervision and regulation. No, no, no. He didn't do any of that. He just said, well, break up these big corporations. We'll turn them into smaller corporations to enhance competition. Well, similarly, this Carol Roth in her book, the article in Newsweek was just a sample of the book titled The War on Small Business. She talks about the imperative of decentralizing government decision making. It's all to empower business again. We saved businesses' ass in the Great Recession. Stop saving businesses' ass and start subjecting business to the needs of the American people, to the future of a social democratic America. Well, that's what I was going to bring up because you mentioned the Women's March. You mentioned Black Lives Matter. We can even go back to Occupy. Those are real emotions that can be co-opted. Again, that's what we've been talking about since we started this series. Case in point with you and this Carol Roth, when those folks, those phony populists are even the slightest bit questioned, they break down, they fold. Josh Hawley said break up small tech. He didn't know what he's talking about because they don't have actual radical answers. The conservative commentators and pundits and podcasters and show tune guys, <laughs> <laughs> like I think it was Ben Shapiro, but folks like him, basically, they all thought he was offering a radical argument, break up big tech. That's not what we expect from a Republican. And then he explained, it's got to make capitalism even more like capitalism. I keep saying too, if we're going to break up big tech, big tech is also big media. I can't get upset with conservatives for that because that was Bill Clinton that made it easy. And that's half of our problem. It's called the Democratic Party. <laughs> you and I agree. There are some really good folks in the Democratic Party. Bernie, AOC, the entire squad. Oh. There's no question about it. There are a lot of people out there. There are folks like, out in California like Joe Sandberg. There's a man running here in Wisconsin, Mandela Barnes, who's yeah. currently lieutenant governor. He's my choice for Senate to run against Ron Johnson here in the state. Rokana out in California. Rokana in the House. Yeah, I mean, there are really good people, but they are not in command of the Democratic Party. And by the way, anyone who tells you, oh, I'm not going to vote, they do the same all the time. Well, bullshit at your damnedest. You got to go out there and support a progressive candidate. You know, there's indoor politics and outdoor politics. Indoor politics is you vote for the people who at least will defend you, but you also make sure that you turn out in the street when necessary to propel progressives to run for office. We're facing an abyss. Yeah. We're staring right into the abyss. When we say take back America, what we mean is we've got to take back America so that we literally build a bridge beyond the abyss. I think a man you might know would call this a crisis, yeah? Yes. You know, Jesus, I wish I had that his talent to write the crisis paper 2022. You'd be so proud of me, Harvey. I was giving a talk the other day and I, I said that exact same phrase. I said, look around. We're living a pandemic. We got folks who don't know where they're going to sleep tonight, don't know how they're going to eat tonight. What is this if not a crisis? When you put it like that, I'm going to tell you what I've been saying to people. 
How is it possible that any Democratic politician can be elected who does not believe that at the least Medicare for all should be enacted? We want to make this practical, right? We want to be able to not only inspire folks, but to also know when to pull up some red flags, right? So when you've got folks like Carol Roth, folks like Josh Hawley putting out this fake radical message, or actually that's not true. I guess they are highlighting the actual radical problems, but giving no radical solutions. What questions should we be asking ourselves? What's, you know, if I read that article, I might think Carol Roth might be a homie, but she is not in fact a homie. No, she is not. <laughs> She's a hammy, but she ain't no homie. Here's the first thing people should ask themselves as elections approach, as primaries approach. Who's the candidate who not only promises to fight for me, but actually encourages the fight in me. That's the thing they must ask themselves. And if there isn't such a candidate, maybe they should go find one to run as soon as possible. Then when election day comes, if it's not the candidate of your choice, but that candidate may be facing a Trumpster type politician, you hold your nose and you vote Democratic. You bet your ass. I always said to my students, well, what do you think? How, how should we vote? I said, defensively defensively, unless you've got someone you really are enthused by. And I can tell you in my life, off the top of my head, the only one who has ever truly enthused me was Bernie Sanders. Why was that? Let's break that down for a second. For all of Bernie's failings, which I can go on about because he didn't talk enough about the American radical tradition. The fact is that Bernie was one of the few politicians as a textile worker from the mills of North Carolina said to FDR, you're my guy. You know that my boss is a son of a bitch. And what Bernie was doing with about the billionaires, he didn't do it on stage, is he was holding up his middle finger and saying, hey, how do we allow for this? How do we allow for this? You can't have this and democracy at the same time. I love when we start with one topic and we end up going somewhere else and it's just equally as awesome. Yeah, it'd be unfair if we didn't connect past and present, right? Absolutely. I guess I'm wondering, we all know the answer is yes. Does everyone deserve not just access to healthcare, but coverage, complete coverage, Medicare for all. But the brand is toxic. Harvey, let's just, we got to call a spade a spade. What do you think? And it may not be Bernie, but it's going to have to be some of us. It's going to have to be one of us, at least. What's that main platform issue that you think would resonate that can lead to some actual radical change? Cast your vote for the American promise. Equality, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Cast your vote for FDR's vision of an economic bill of rights. Cast your vote to make democracy real in America. I know it's rhetorical, but that's where you start. And then you lay out a platform with those priorities addressed. And by the way, speaking of addressed or dress, I want everyone to know, if I haven't, didn't say it at the outset, you look particularly handsome in that Kansas City Monarchs. Ah, thank you, Harvey. You have a Monarchs baseball cap? I was just getting ready to say it. I think that's going to be our friendly wager. I think we get KCVGB in that Super Bowl. I think we got to put a hat on the line. I'll tell you what, the hat on the line, Kansas City Monarchs. Yep. yep. And I think the hat from my E will be the Brooklyn Dodgers. Excellent, Harvey K. Did you realize this? Look at us, another tangent. The 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson and breaking the color barrier. That's next year. Wow. And did I ever tell you that I met him? Yeah, you have, and I'm still jealous. <laughs> 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 professor Harvey K. He is a professor emeritus at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. You're going to fill us in what we're going to be talking about here the next few weeks. It's holiday schedules. It's a mess, but we're going to make it work. Well, we're going to make it work because later this week, you and I, we're going to do another Langston Hughes poem. 
I'd be more than happy to do every other week Langston Hughes' Let America Be America Again. But we're going to do another Langston Hughes poem. We're going to do Freedom's Plow. It's longer, but you and I are going to recite poetry. It's outstanding. Really good. The only thing better by Hughes might well be Let America Be America Again. This is just a great poem from 1943. That's going to be for Christmas week. And then for the week after, you're going to play my, not my, Bill Moyers interviewing me about the fight for the four freedoms. You can go ahead and say it was your interview, Harvey, because you crushed it. This is, and I don't want to pull back the curtain too much, but this is Professor Harvey K's one of his favorite TV appearances. Yeah, it is actually one of my two favorite TV appearances. And then on the first day of January, we will actually have our first FDR discussion. And we will talk about not the FDR you all know, know, the Pearl Harbor speech and some others. We're going to go back to the young FDR. The FDR is trying to figure out just how far in a progressive direction he can go. And we're going to spend some time on FDR. Warn them. You said this last week, you know, there are some figures in American history that I think it's worth taking a beat and really, uh, really digging into. Three times we'll do it. We'll do the young FDR, we'll do the New Deal FDR, and we'll do the World War II FDR. Three's a charm, my brother. Three's a charm. Where can these folks find you on the internet, Professor K? On Twitter, at Harvey, J-K, H-A-R-V-E-Y, initial J-K-A-Y-E. And if these folks would like, in preparation for our FDR discussions, maybe, maybe these folks should check out FDR on Democracy, and I think I know the author. I think it's you. (laughs) And the fight for the four freedoms, what made FDR and the greatest generation truly great. Again, by an author you know. His name is Professor Harvey K. So the fight for the four freedoms is the story of FDR, and as my editor and I once put it, what the f*** happened? (laughs) What happened after FDR's passing? And FDR and Democracy is basically the best words of FDR curated by me with introductions on democracy. And these are speeches I have never seen before. So I'm excited for us to dig into these. Professor K, he's done all the work and we're just going to hit play. I love it when that happens. (laughs) Professor K, my brother, in solidarity, let's go change the world. The fight continues, yeah? Got it. See you soon. See you next week. Your style is unorthodox, but effective. The Casey Morning Show. You're listening to The Casey Morning Show.